Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. So I'll never leave here. You'll leave at five. Well, actually, they stagger our exit, so 5.15. But it won't feel like it, not to this version of you, anyway. Do I have a family? You'll never know. I have no choice. Well, every time you find yourself here, it's because you chose to come back. Mm, very intriguing indeed. James Dempsey has joined us for TV on the radio. Says more about that if you're just joining us. It's time to stand up for Sean today. So that's a piece from Severance, is it? Uh, on Apple TV. That Plus. is Severance, yes. Which All is right. uh, it's a very interesting show because it's written by a guy named uh, Dan Erickson who has kind of not really ever written anything that's made it to screen before. He, um, he, he was a student and then a grad student of film writing and he wrote this script, this kind of like speculative script and it became this sort of darling of these lists of unproduced scripts. But it's not a good thing to be I'd a darling. Say that's, a, that's a list you don't really want <laughs> yeah. to be on. Is it? <laughs> Certainly not. And Apple, yeah, he, basically Ben Stiller happened upon it, right? And he approached Apple towards making it and that's what got it off the grounds. And it is a very, very, very intriguing premise. I think it runs for nine episodes in total and two have been released so far. The next one will be on Friday. And it's really, so it's a bit black mirror right, on the one hand. So it is about Adam Scott, who you would know from many, many comedies, I suppose, Parks and Recreation and Big Little Lies, He's in where he's always this kind of put upon straight man, right? And he plays our lead, who is Mark Scout. And we heard him in the uh, clip there, where he's helping a new employee to, to Lumen, the Lumen Industries, her name is Helly, to adjust to life on the severance floor. And severance means that when you join this company, you undergo a neurological procedure that completely and utterly separates your work life from your home life. So when you're at work, you have absolutely no memory of anything that is going on when you're not at work. And when you're outside of work, you have absolutely zero memory of what's going on inside work. Right. So it's this... <laughs> a strange feeling that's already happened to me. But go on. <laughs> well, it's a very... Um, so it's a very striking premise, right, that's sort of looking at like corporate uh, office culture and work-life balance. And you have Adam Scott playing essentially two different characters, right? Because they are two completely different people. So Mark on the inside as a company man is this like perfect employee, straight laced by the book, does everything right, gets on really well with his colleagues kind of guy. And then when we meet him outside of work, he is a grieving widower. He's a former like a uh, history professor who has a band like who has left academia behind and is dealing with his grief by plowing himself just into work. And outside of work, he's living this incredibly miserable, horrible life and inside work. He's having a great time with all his friends, but, you know, is the grass always greener, I think, is kind of the point it's trying to make. And into that comes uh, basically Helly, who's played by Britt Lauer, who is an actress. The only thing I know her from is Man Seeks Woman, which was a short lived but very, very funny comedy uh, a couple of years ago. And she's a new employee. And when we when the series starts, we just find her sprawled on a sort of corporate meeting room table. Uh, waking up completely unaware of where she is because she has just joined the severance department so she has no memory of what's going on outside. And she's our introduction to this. I mean, she she fulfills the role of the audience who doesn't know what's going on, right? Now, the first thing I will say is 
I was really struck kind of by the visuals of the show. I, I'll, I'll give credit to Empire magazine. A review I read of it, they said that this this is what you would imagine the Matrix, if it was designed by Wes Anderson, would look like. And that is a great line. Great. <laughs> and and very accurate. It 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 really kind of if if you saw um the you know, Loki on Disney Plus when that was out, when it had this kind of uh, sort of retro 70s futurist office vibe. It's got that kind of thing okay. going on here as well. And it has an amazing cast, right? So Adam Scott, this is kind of a big break for him to be the leading man. But you also have uh, John Turturro and uh, Christopher Walken, Patricia Christopher Arquette. Walken. All playing, all these big character performers, right, playing these kind of weird, unusual roles. And Patricia Arquette, who Ben Stiller actually previously directed in Escape from Danamora, for which he won like a Director's Guild Award and also was nominated for an Emmy. And she was nominated for Emmys for that. They have worked very, you know, very well together previously. And this is certainly very interesting stomping ground because... What's so interesting about the show is obviously it's playing off both sides against each other because we see sort of right at the very beginning, uh, you know, that they're not, you know, the company is making sure that the employees' lives outside of the company do not mingle. They start at different times, they leave at different different times. But we as the audience know that they are actually passing each other in everyday life. And and they don't know it. And they don't know it. Oh. Now, I suspect it will come to light. <laughs> and some, I've seen a few TV shows in my time, so yeah. I suspect some stuff is going to happen. Um, but for me, this seemed like a sort of a slow boil with enough reveals going on throughout the episode to keep me kind of interested. And the other thing, everyone in it is just so good, right? Well, Christopher Walken, you know, once you say that, you have me. What can I say? <laughs> but I also have to highly credit uh, it, the direction, right? So I will say, I think of the nine episodes, six of them are directed by Ben Stiller. The other three are actually directed by Irish woman Aoife McArdle, who made a very successful film called Kissing Candice a few years ago. It was like the toast of TIFF, the Toronto Film Festival. And uh, it has gone on to pr- direct lots of very, very well regarded uh, like mov- uh, music videos and yep. adverts and a co- I think a couple of short features as well, for short films rather. Um, so her episodes, I think, are coming in the coming okay. this week. So it'll be intri- intriguing to see what she does. But Ben Stiller, who... You know, I wouldn't say we, anyone has written him off just yet, but he hasn't sort of headlined a, a major comedy in a long time. His uh, his di- directorial, I don't know if it was his directorial, directorial debut, but The Secret Life of Walter Mitty was a, ve- a very enjoyable film that nobody watched. But he is really developing as a director, as a really excellent TV director. And some of the shots here and the like the sets and the production, it all is what what Apple has that the others don't have is money. Absolutely. It's it's the richest company in the world. So basically they are able to throw money at everything. And it looks like that every second you're watching. And they're able to go through that that director's list of films that haven't been made. That script (laughs) list. Hang on a second. Throw a circle around that. That's true. What a great premise. I'm assuming it all goes great grand and everyone lives happily ever after. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think that's quite going to happen but uh, certainly it makes for just a really really intriguing premise and it stretches Adam Scott uh, you know it stretches is not the right word it allows him to show off what he can do here because as I said he has cut his teeth on these comedic roles and here he has to play both right he's playing the kind of miserable dramatic side and then the kind of comic side on the other half. Um, Is Christopher's a walk-on part asks Barry. Very good Barry. 
prize is making its way to you <laughs> as we speak. Um, up next, Clear History, Thursdays at 10.30 on RT2. It's their new kind of uh, panel type of show. It's a comedy panel show. Take a clip from it. There was a new optimism. We threw off the shackles of our patriarchal past and stretched out our hands towards equality. Even if some of us didn't get the memo. Uh, really, the main people in the women's lib movement are just some uh, mainly big, fat, ugly feminists. Well, well, even if we weren't all moving swiftly into the modern era, Ireland was ready to indulge in something we weren't used to. Fun. And not just PG fun, but 15A-rated fun. We even had our own Irish lads mag. And like a lot of Irish lads, it didn't last very long. As the Celtic Tiger roared into life for the first time ever, Ireland truly went global. Um, I'd say anyone who's watched ITV at all over the last few weeks has seen the trailer for this. Um, it's on every five minutes. Is it? As far as I can see, yes. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. it doesn't live up to the hype. <laughs> right. Now, I'm going to start by, uh, by, by making something very, very, very clear, right? This is the second season of Clear History on RTE. The first one debuted around this time last year. Uh, it has halved its, its running time. It used to be sort of like a full hour. It is now down to basically a half an hour. And uh, still, I'm not quite sure what they were, you know, after they did the cutting, I'm not sure how they managed to scrape together. <laughs> <laughs> 24 minutes but I, the other thing I want to say is um, I actually went to a live taping of the final episode of this so I have seen the production yeah. firsthand as an audience member and when I went uh, somewhat against my better judgment because I didn't really want to go but someone else had a ticket and I had to go with them I really enjoyed it the filming was very funny uh, so you have you know Kevin McGahern is the host the panellists are Joanne McNally and Jason Byrne the pandemic has been a very interesting time for Joanne McNally who has completely sort of had this meteoric rise over the last two years to become almost like a household name of Irish comedy and uh, have a residency in the residency. She, I, I, I sometimes <laughs> laugh at how people like Tommy and it seemed to have just the number, the sheer number yeah. of nights. But she is way up yeah, that I mean, it is she, her Vicar Street residency, which I went to last week as well and was really funny. So I am a fan, right? Yeah. But the problem with me, for me with this show is it's very, very vague, okay? So the premise is basically looking at awkward or embarrassing moments from the past and the idea of clearing your history and deleting it. But um, that is not explored particularly uh, satisfactorily, in my opinion. So, like in this opening episode... Right at the very beginning, we had a series of uh, video clips of of the uh, the 1980s and the 1990s. And they were just kind of like a greatest hits of stuff you might have seen on the RT archive before, mm. right? On on Twitter, on that very successful and funny account. But also just little silly bits of how, look how quaint and silly people were 30, 40 years ago, right? And then at some point, uh, we it's decided that one team has won the first round and I have no idea how that has happened because they haven't really seemed to do anything. Then the second round is the two guests. This time uh, they were uh, David McSavage and Catherine Bohart. They reveal a sort of tragicomic moment from their own past that they want to get rid of. And again, I think there might be a winner to that. <laughs> okay. win, I'm not quite sure. And then they go to a member of the audience. I, I understand because I went to the filming they filmed two members of the audience but they only show one of them okay. and uh, that person uh, they, the panellists have to decide what exactly based purely on just looking at their face is their, is their dilemma going to be and it, it doesn't make any sense right now these are all very funny comedians they are professional yeah. funny people that is their job to sit there and be funny and I can tell you what I saw was very funny when I went to this live sh- live yeah. taping they were very very funny 
and if any of that if any of the really funny stuff makes it to the episode that I witnessed I'll be very surprised because it was all <laughs> very body tongue in cheek right. racy you know yeah. <laughs> very um, not RTE hard friendly hard to make work on TV hard to make work on TV the other thing is this definitely has so much canned laughter put in right mm. and you can tell it is not real because it ha- like the audio just sounds different to the acoustics of everything else going on you know when you hear canned laughter that it's canned laughter because it, it's it, it, it's not film like it, it's just different the quality of the sound is different and it's annoying and the more it comes on the more annoying it gets now I appreciate right this once is, you notice it you're doomed once you've noticed it you're doomed and now I've infected everyone right? yes but the thing about it is they did film it in front of a live audience it's just they filmed this during the pandemic and there's only so much live audience you can fit into that so I'm giving them a pass on that one All right. but just maybe tone it down a little bit ok we shall see we shall see um, one more to talk about um, um, All of Us Are Dead, season one now streaming on Netflix. Take a listen to this. You know, you get in trouble for making these false reports, right? This isn't a joke. Everyone's... Anyway, come quick. Okay. Lee Chung's Han. Your number is 0104362. Get somewhere safe so that you don't get bit, okay? We'll be there soon to check, okay? Ugh, these brats think they're so damn clever. Zombies are attacking. Kills on her, right? They must be celebrating or something. Uh, I just got a call about zombies too, sir. Hello, what is the nature of your emergency? <laughs> You're cutting out. The patient is attacking people? Does the person have some type of weapon? She's biting them. Zombie girl. Wow, zombies again. Um, is that Korean? Is that once I can almost tell for Korean is excellent. I can almost tell from the voiceover. It's, it's it is that Korean. weird but, way they have of talking. But this is dubbed, right? Obviously, I, I for the for the viewer or for the listeners rather uh, <clears throat> to help them. I went with the dubbed version. But the, I, the squid thing is is dubbed as well, and it's that's that <laughs> similar type of weird dub. It poor, yeah. As, so I will say, net, it's not Netflix's forte, um, but. Are the cultured listeners of this show I'm sure are capable of reading subtitles and they'll do that instead right but um, this is the fifth biggest non-English language show to ever launch on on Netflix the biggest I'd say being Squid Game at this point I think Lupin is the second and it is part of this big new wave of Korean content that has hit uh, Netflix. Some of it, somewhat, I'd say, um, introduced by the success of Parasite, opening sort of Western audiences to the potential of of Korean drama. Um, but certainly, Squid Game <laughs> cleaved everything else open uh, by being this absolute behemoth of content. And it is a zombie show, right? Now, um, it's very good. And very strange in its own way. There are so many cultural things that I just do not get that I think just must be part of uh, Korean culture. Like, you know, this is this incredibly violent, visceral zombie apocalypse drama that takes place in a high school. But then intercut every now and again, there'll be like Benny Hill running segments <laughs> where, with like funny music and slow motion. And, and is it jokes. the zombies who are running? It's, it's the zombies who are running right. and also their prey who are running terrified away. All right, okay. But it all centres around this high school where a, a science teacher has been running some experiments and in the process of doing so unleashes this virus that takes over as is want to happen <laughs> and yes. um, you know it's kind of funny the, the whole the whole background story of how the virus begins is actually one of the weakest parts of the show it's really histrionic and silly and then but at other parts it's incredibly grounded and realistic and and 
Uh, like if you saw Squid Game did you see Squid Game enough of it okay well yeah, it, not it, the end okay, I think, I, I, think I learned enough inside of the I first three or four episodes but you saw how violent it was yes. right and the scale of its violence was almost like something we'd never seen on television mm. before right and that is followed through here every scene you know right, so it's taking place in this kind of six story high school where there must be a couple of thousand students so there are constantly hundreds of extras in the background and it is just a kind of zombie TV show I have never seen to the scale before. Now, it's not brilliant. It's not perfect either, right? It doesn't do anything particularly new or novel in the zombie world in the sense that these are fast zombies, which are the in vogue type of zombies at the moment. As what in they run, they, they run. Oh, they're fast. No more that kind of lumbering. No more. I'll uh, get the, to you eventually. The type Walking thing. Dead is coming back, to, I think, to Disney Plus at the yeah. end of this week. So they, they are coming, right? But slowly. Yes. <laughs> but, but, but these are the fast, fast, fast ones. Um, it, it, you know, it explores the usual kind of zombie secondhand tropes of uh, who's the real monster? Is it, huma- is it the humanity within? Yes. The, you know, friends turning on each other. But because it's set in a high school, it kind of all makes sense, right? It's this allegory of high school being like hell and social classes and bullies and romances yeah. and all these things coming to a head while these students try to get out makes for a very entertaining TV. Um, did I hear someone say that it's quite moving as well or is that a different thing? I was Certainly, thinking. there have been, so there have been, I have, so I, I'm about halfway through. Yeah. It, it, I will say some of the episodes are an hour and 15 minutes long, which is not my thing. I usually prefer brevity. There have been many times where I have been gasping or like sighing or, or you know, reacting and there have been very moving deaths that have been very, right. very moving. Uh, but I'm sort of wondering now that I'm at the midway point, how much is left to go here, right? Yeah. Like we have another, I have another six hours. Good luck and, with that. <laughs> and I'm wondering what, you know, how many of them are left to die? Kind of at this <laughs> point. Yes, um, I have to ask you, um, have you seen Will Arnett's new show and is it worth a watch? So I watched the Some first Jimmy? episode. This is like, I think it's called Murderville. It's a completely improvised comedy. Uh, not Well, not completely, but where they take a celebrity who is uh, Will Arnett's Will Arnett is this murder homicide detective and a celebrity comes in playing his uh, new partner and all of the situation is sort of scripted but then everything else is um, improvised on set on the day shall we say so you've people like uh, Sharon Stone and Annie oh, Murphy right. from um What's that show? Anyway, that yeah, one, the that Canadian one, one the sitcom, yeah. the Can- Shit's Creek, sorry. Uh, and they come in and they have to solve a crime by the end of it, but it's all improvised. The first one, I, uh, the first one I wasn't too sold on with Conan, Conan O'Brien, uh, but I'm not too sold on him, so it might be that. Okay. But I, I haven't gone back to the well, put it that all way. Right. Fair enough. Um, the word you're looking for on the dubs there is badly, badly dubbed. Oh, that's it. <laughs> but there's a character to it as well. It's, it's, uh, it's like canned laughter, actually. Yeah. <laughs> They have a way of speaking that is just so mad and, and not proper and, and crazy. Uh, James, thank you very much thank for that Tom. indeed. Uh, after the break, the 10-year-olds who built a boat that crossed the Atlantic. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.